Welcome to Sport Management Review Insights. I'm your host, Vitor Sobrov. I think there's little need for me to mention just how important sports sponsorship is for sport organizations. We've discussed research from the sponsee's perspective on this podcast. But one area that also requires attention is who is making decisions about sponsorship and why. So in this episode, we're going to focus on personal motivations in sports sponsorship decisions. Joining us to consider this is a researcher who's published a number of studies on sports sponsorship and decision-making. He's a researcher in the Faculty of Law, Business and Economics at the University of Bayreuth in Germany. It's Jan Schönbener. Welcome, Jan. Thank you, Rito. Thank you for having me. Jan and co-authors Herbert Vodacek and Guido Ellert recently published Hidden Agenda in Sports Sponsorship, the Influence of Managers' Personal Objectives on Sports Sponsorship Decisions. So Jan, in my experience with sport organizations, I've sometimes thought uh, you're sponsored by who now? Um, But how did this research help us understand what's happening in those sports sponsorship decisions? The sports sponsorship decisions, that's, I think, like a black box for us in in many views, because if you uh, talk to practitioners, so managers, they cannot give you a real answer to that. And if you go from our standpoint in the academic literature, for example, you find little or nothing about how sponsorship decisions are made. And that was one thing or one yeah, reason why we wanted to look closer in that, that area and how decisions are made and who are making these decisions. Yeah, then we tried to take, uh, make some chats or conversations with some practitioners who are involved in sponsorship decisions. And yeah, some said, yeah, sometimes it's just uh, the gut feeling. Um, and then I do a sponsorship and we were so, okay, that wasn't the <laughs> answer we wanted to hear. We'll get to, to the, the method of, ha- of how you did this all together. I just want to go back to the idea of, or back to where you came up with this idea, because I've actually worked in a sport organization when I read this. I went, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. So was mm-hmm. it an experience that you had in this or was it just from reading the literature? So it actually was about reading uh, or listening to an interview with a directing manager of a sports marketing agency in Germany. And I watched this interview and he said, oh, come on, let's talk for real. And it's about 70% of all sponsorship decisions in sports are just made of personal interests of the managers. And that was the moment when I was sitting there and thought, okay, wow. That's like a bold claim. And that was the first idea how I, or we as a research group came to that idea to look closer at this uh, phenomenon. And yeah, that was, I would say, the starting point for this uh, paper, actually. Yeah, I can just imagine the the academic uh, thinking bells just ringing loudly going, hey, look at this. Um, (laughs) Yes. Why is it that personal motivation, do you think, is really important to look at from a research perspective? Good question, because then it came to the idea, why is it important to look um, deeper into the personal motivation in sponsorship decision-making? Because sponsorships are yeah, very deeply rooted or implemented marketing communication tool, if you want to name it like that, in uh, for all companies. And it's a research field where a lot of studies are going on effect measurement in sponsorship. but if you want to measure the effects and you learn that the managers maybe at the beginning of the decisions, they have personal feelings. How do you want to measure with a 
the figures you want to hear, like return on investment or something like that, measure this when they just say, okay, my feeling or I just like this club, I'm going to sponsor this. So I think this has, from different perspectives, uh, quite an interesting um, influence, actually. And to understand what was happening, you actually used agency theory as, as your framework. Uh, I know that's used a, a fair bit, but can you tell us more about agency theory and why it was useful as a framework in this instance? So we looked at uh, how a sponsorship decision is made and uh, very ob obviously not a company or the sponsor itself can make a decision because a manager needs to make the decision and the manager, the managers get the authority to make uh, decisions in this case and sponsorships from the shareholder or the owner of the company which is the sponsor as you you know it the brand and this decision making authority the managers have comes with a little bit i would say scope of uh, behaving because um, there is a different situation about the information the asymmet asymmetric uh, information allocation actually and so it's difficult for the shareholders, so the principal in this theory, to observe how the agent, in this case the managers, make a decision and how they are motivated. And you mentioned how difficult it might be to actually measure this. Um, and so to, to, to do this uh, research, uh, the method you use, the, the Delphi method. And I, I can't help but think of the Delphi oracle. Uh, every time I see it, that's, that's my first thought. <laughs> Is there any, yeah. any connection between the two? Yeah, probably there is one. I do not know actually really much about the history of the method, but as this method came from forecasting studies, there might be definitely a connection to the Delphi Oracle. And that was a little bit confusing at the beginning when we talked to people that we make and made a Delphi study to investigate sponsorship decisions. They said, Okay, well, you're Jan, you're an oracle now, or what? <laughs> and that was when we said, okay, now uh, Delphi method had come a long way from original forecasting studies and developed in different types of Delphi studies, you might say. And one categorization is going for four different categories of Delphi studies uh, with different objectives, like getting ideas is one category. The second is actually still forecasting. Third one is uh, to determine stable expert opinions. And the, the fourth one would be uh, finding consensus between some uh, population. And we, for our study, chose the third type. So we wanted to generate a stable expert opinions. The reason why we choose this was that a Delphi method can be applied for revealing hidden and real motivations of why people are doing something and that was like the idea okay that's perfect exactly what we needed to to find or to to get and so this was the the idea and the main reason delphi can do this i think because on the one hand it's a structured group communication process where you get in multiple rounds so you ask a bunch of people then aggregate the answers. And very important is that it is anonymized. So nobody knows the other people and who said what. Then you can confront the same people in the second round with the claims or statements of the 
anonymous other participants and then they can easily talk oh yeah this is that's okay that's true and i have experienced this by myself and that was our idea or motivation to get into this like a hidden agenda is a hidden feeling a hidden motivation of the managers because they won't go out tell everybody yeah just make sponsorship decisions because i'm a big fan of fc bayern munich they probably shouldn't do that yeah they, they get easy sponsorship anyway it's just audi gives them money every day True. <laughs> now, um you you had to recruit that panel of experts part of this research was that an easy thing to do or, or were they happy to come in and talk to you and be part of this research was it easy that's a good question i think it was it was not too hard because the people i contacted so it was just like researching who is involved in companies making sponsorship decisions and we also have some who has studied uh, former in in Bayreuth that's the connection i tried to to exploit a little bit and who are working now in sponsorship departments for example and then i just contacted them, wrote them, called them. Most of them, so I actually had uh, 44 mails or phone calls and 18 of them said, yes, I'm going to participate in all three rounds. That was also important because it's not good to have the participants only in one round. So we had these 18 experts and they were just really motivated. Uh, I was surprised about that. They said, oh, nice study. Very interesting. I, I want to see the results. So definitely I, I take part in the study. Oh, sounds uh, perfect. I, I wish all research went that, uh, that smoothly. <laughs> yeah. And obviously you collected a lot of data with, with the Delphi method, the, the different rounds of research. How did you go about analyzing all that data? In the first round, for example, we made uh, interviews. The most were made by telephone, actually, and one in person, I think. Yeah, so the interviews um, were recorded, of course, with the permission of the participants. And the audio files were transcribed verbatim. And we coded them in, in a program called MaxQDA. And after that, uh, we made five-step procedure of structured content analysis to get uh, results. And from that, what did you find? What, what were the, the results? Did they, do you think they actually told you the truth in the end? That's a very interesting question because that was actually what I had the idea was that in the first round, the first interviews, when I interviewed them personally, then I thought maybe they won't talk the reality to me. They won't say, ah, no, I never heard about such things. And, but they were really open. That's really interesting. They said, yeah, no worries. Uh, I can tell you. Uh, I've experienced that, that. And yes, of course, no, no decision in our company is really only motivated by corporate objectives. So no decision is free from emotions here about sponsorships. And I was, okay, good. That's great to hear because some were really, really open. Of course, some had the socially desirable responses about, mm, no, I don't think so. Then in the second round, and again in the third round, when you confront the, the ones who didn't wanted to tell you in the beginning the reality, or what we think is the reality or close to it, that they in the second round get encouraged to tell you, okay, others had said that, so I can just confirm their statement. And that was easier for them to say, okay, yes, it happens. 
And so you found that it was actually true that what that person said in the interview that started this research was actually true. They are making their decisions based on personal objectives rather than corporate objectives. Yes, to, to a certain degree, of course. So not as, so we didn't find the 70% like the one in the interview said. So I still think it's a bold claim. <laughs> and I, I think he just wanted to shock a little bit with this statement. But we indeed found that what we call hidden agenda, that is the, in the moment when a personal interest of a manager really influences his, her decision-making, then uh, we call this the hidden agenda in sponsorship decisions, and we really could, uh, could find it. But the extent or the degree was not 70%. First, of course, you need to differentiate between the size of the company. So uh, large-scale companies, the influence of the personal uh, objectives is a little bit lower um, as in smaller companies. We, we asked the participants to estimate the, the percentage, um, and they said that around 40% of sponsorship decisions are or of a decision as influenced by personal objectives of the manager in smaller or medium-sized enterprises. But even in the large-scale enterprises, which are uh, have an annual turnover more than uh, 50 million euros and more than five, uh, 250 employees, still the influence of the personal objectives of the managers is around 27%. So still, there is a influence to one quarter for each uh, sponsorship decision. So that's not to be neglected. Significant, as they might say in the, in the <laughs> research world. Now, how did this advance our understanding of sports sponsorship and agency theory? As I said in the beginning, I think it's very important to, to know, to really know, not just assume that it might be like that, but to know that a hidden agenda exists. So that is the first very, very important finding. I think that in all research and also in the, in the business world, we need to be aware that in every investigation we're doing or talks about it, we need to consider that there is a hidden agenda. And very important is, I think, what does it mean, this, this existence of a hidden agenda? So the, the consequences. This was also very interesting and as you said, from a, a principal agent theory point, always when there is a conflict of interest between the agent and the principal, they talk about agency costs, which are a negative influence. And we also could find negative influences um, for the sponsoring company if there is a hidden agenda, like we could find that you have financial losses, of course, if you make a sponsorship just because some manager likes it, then it could damage your reputation if it comes becomes public that you're doing that in your company, which could also um, have an influence, negative influence on your employees, because when they see, okay, so much of the budget is allocated to sponsorship, and then they just do what they want, um, that could be not a very best motivation for your own employees in your company, or it also could signal misleading marketing strategies or something like that. So we, we could also find the negative consequences, but, and that was like in contrast to the yeah, normal findings from all agency theory studies, that there were also, or our mentions that also positive effects. And we said, okay, why could this be positive for 
for the company when they just do it because they like it. Then the managers, they told us, yeah, because on the one hand, it could be that these managers has a greater expertise about the, the sponsee because they are deeper involved in it. And the sponsorship then gets a stronger support from these people. And the implementa implementation or the activation of the sponsorship might go better in this case. And then we thought about it and said, okay, this is interesting, but how can we explain this? And I think one possible explanation is that it's about intrinsic motivation. And because we know that intrinsic motivations has a positive effect on job performance. And if you imagine uh, you have a sponsorship, you're the sponsorship manager and you have a sponsorship with your favorite club. You just love the club and have a sponsorship with it. So a business connection then you are deeply intrinsic motivated to implement strategies with them, to activate the sponsorship, to really make it happen. So that could be one explanation that it's not in all cases that it damages or has uh, negative consequences for the, the sponsoring company. Now, I just want to finish off by asking you from a practical perspective. So if you were advising a sport organization or a potential sponsor, let's say maybe Bavaria's second team, 1860 Munich, uh, because Bayern <laughs> are fine, right? Uh, yeah. How would you advise them? What would you tell them? I would like to differentiate here a little bit between the different actors in the uh, sponsorship field, I would say. So from the sponsee perspective, so the sport organizations with this finding they could on the one hand yeah they should not only focus on uh, rational arguments for the sponsorship um, proposals so why should a sponsor or company sponsor them it's not just about uh, we have 20,000 spectators every game in the stadium and have instagram account and stuff like that but i can include in their proposals the emotions about the club. You be part of the club, part of the community or something like that. They could focus on such things. And in the negotiation process, because we've seen in one study that in the beginning of the negotiation processes, there is room for such personal influences. And at the end of the negotiation process, then there's not much scope for talking about personal interests. So in a negotiation process with a potential sponsor, you should start off bringing these arguments, these emotional arguments, these um, not <laughs> rational ones at the beginning of the negotiation process, because normally you always negotiate with a potential sponsor about a, a contract or a sponsorship deal. So this, I would say to the, the sponsee or sport organizations, but for the, the sponsors, the, the, the companies, the sponsoring companies, um, even if there could be positive effects, my feelings is the negative consequences are, are dominating. So it would be a good idea to reduce these or try to reduce these hidden agenda in sponsorship decisions. I'm pretty sure that you can never fully root them out. I do not believe this, but you can reduce them with different incentive systems, make them uh, yeah, outcome-based contracts, for example, some controlling systems also could be here, or what also could be an, an idea to yeah, let a group of different managers make the decision, because then it probably becomes more difficult for one manager to just put through his or her personal motivation. 
Jan, that's uh, really good advice, I, I think, <laughs> and uh, really interesting research, really impactful research as well. Thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you very much, Vitor. It was a great pleasure to talk to you. I could talk <laughs> a lot longer now because no, it's really, I, I'm deeply into that topic because it's, I really think it has an impact and it's important. And yeah, sponsorship is a field where we will hear many, many different stories in the future. I have no doubt about that. Thanks so much, John. <laughs> Thank you. And thanks for listening to Sport Management Review Insights. At the Sport Management Review website, you'll find all the latest research being published, including the article discussed in this episode, Hidden Agenda in Sports Sponsorship, the Influence of Managers' Personal Objectives on Sports Sponsorship Decisions. That's it for this episode, but take a look. There's plenty more you can download to your favorite podcast player. Until then, it's bye for now.